Warning, the following program is not for the weak-hearted. Those who are closed-minded, in general, you're scared to learn what's behind closed doors. Here at Sapphire's Airplay, I want you to pour the wine. Grab somebody that you want to hold on to, or better yet, get the vibration stimulated through your body. Get ready for one hell of an orgasm in five, four, three, two. One. What is up, all you sexy motherfuckers out there in Radio Land? It's your girl Sapphire. And your fit and dirty girl, yes. Yes is back. That's right, everybody. And we have a very, very special guest today. Um, they go by the name Phoenix Mandel, certified sexuality educator, just amazing being, and I would say a leader in all <laughs> sorts for polyamory, ethical, non-ethical, monogamy, and just a bundle of joy, not to mention a fellow kinkster. We got kinksters in the building today. Hello. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Happy to have you on. So, Phoenix, I came across you um, on a live with Sex with Baddies, Celine, in the hot seat. Also, shout out to Celine. Just she's been in the hospital for a couple weeks with a back surgery mm. and just, you know, thoughts and prayers her way. But I know that she's a strong, just able woman and just sending out some positive vibes. But um, Phoenix, I caught you in the hot seat and I had told you off air just now, I just admired the energy. The energy was what I was just like, finally, we got somebody who's talking about polyamory and talking about the real, real shit. Because let's be honest, polyamory is not a new thing, but I feel like all of a sudden, Especially during quarantine, this became a trend. <laughs> I think in the black community, it became a trend because Lou Will, the basketball player, had two girlfriends uh, well, publicly. Yeah, and then there was uh, the Wild and Out comedian. Oh my God, I'm blinking on his name, but he's been not like, DC. No, 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 no. Okay. Um. Oh my God, I'm blinking on his name right now, and it's gonna piss me off. And watch, I'm gonna find out later. And I took a picture and interviewed with this man too. Cause I was like, oh, so you Polly too? And he looked at me like, oh, you know my secret. I was like, boy, you you walk around with the two girlfriends. I know they got something going on. I know it's right. not a side chick. Like, come on now, Polly knows Polly, gay knows gay. Let's go on. <laughs> Wait. Oh my gosh, Phoenix, I don't even know where to begin because, again, you just had this very uncandid discussion. And for somebody, again, who is, and you can correct me as I'm wrong, non-binary, just, um, again, a force to reckon with. And you just <laughs> made it, you gave us like the, the poly 101 for dummies on the Sex with Baddies. So I definitely want to get into it because you have some upcoming events. Um, again, you are a leader in this community you hold sessions for people you hold space for people and so let's get into it you know your journey started in 2006 um workshops with bdsm ethical non-monogamy the lgbqtia plus and uh, sex and body positivity so like what just made you wake up one day and just say you know what i need to create this space because i do not see this space out there so I was uh, I was very lucky to discover some of these communities and some of these uh, identities and ways of existing pretty early in my life. Um, I mean, everybody always wishes they knew about these things earlier, but I, I was a freshman in college, just, uh, just 18, and um, I... I at a, was at visiting my sister's school. It wasn't even where I was going to school at the time, and they had this sex education night that included a small kink component. And at that event, I uh, I connected with the with the people who delivered that lecture, and that's kind of how I I came to dive into the deep end of the uh, ethically non monogamous and kinky pool. I love it. Now, when people hear the words, and I, I absolutely am not shaming anybody who like lives by this book, and I know which, I know you have a feeling which book I'm about to bring up, but the ethical slut. Let's get into this for a second because I feel like when people bring up ethical non-monogamy, they always refer they revert back to the ethical slut. So one. What are your thoughts on the ethical slide? And let's do the breakdown of what is ethical and 
non-ethical monogamy. Well, non-monogamy. Non-monogamy. But yeah, yes. I'll, 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 I'll create some little buckets for it. So in terms of the ethical slut, uh, it's now on its third edition. The, the authors of this, of all of the editions of this book, have a, a, been very prolific, have put out a tremendous amount of work in terms of kink, in terms of non-monogamy. And in terms of, a, you know, a historic accessibility and giving people a, a somewhat more boundary place to look and also having some some queer and some femme representation in leading that conversation, I think it's great. That being said, <laughs> uh, the first, if you, if you go back, if you look at the third edition of Ethical Slut and you go back and look at the first one, there's really no other way to contextualize the first one in that framing other than trash. And a lot of people who use the first one or still go back to the first one have, have really taken to heart some of the concepts that they updated in later books because they knew they were a problem. Even in the current iteration, uh, I, from my perspective and my professional opinion, they still misuse the term polyamory. They, um, and, they and they have a couple other little things in there that I think are, we've had a larger cultural shift in the nuance around and how we talk about consent and how we talk about what is sex that I think that that book just doesn't quite meet the moment where we're at now. That being said, I personally don't think there's such a thing as a non-problematic resource. <laughs> you just gotta, you gotta know these things. You have to, to mention those things to people you're recommending these resources to. And then, you know, take it with a grain of salt and work your way through it and see what works for you. I, I personally think that uh, more than two even though there are all kinds of problems going on with Bo right now. You know, Eve Rickert also wrote that book. And I think that book is a little bit of a better non-monogamy primer than The Ethical Slut is. So I, that's my two cents on that. I, I couldn't agree more. I actually <laughs> said I was going to revisit this summer The Ethical Slut because I have not read it in over 10 years. Um I also remember hating on it when I first started this podcast and everybody was recommending all these sources. And I'm like, well, first of all, nobody <laughs> gave me any um, resources for people of color navigating all these sexual experiences. And I feel that's the problem, too. Um, I feel that's problematic. And I think Yaz can also agree. And Phoenix, you might agree as well. It's just especially when we start talking about polyamory and non-monogamy, people just say, that's some white people shit. <laughs> that's I the mean, same thing with BDSM. They think it's white people shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a, a lot of a lot of challenges around that, but also I that that is really, really shifting. I mean, uh, you have books like Playing Well with Others by Melina Williams Hass and Lee Harrington. Uh, Melina Williams it has I have to remember to add the little sense marriage. <laughs> Um, is fucking incredible and that's an amazing book and it's so so helpful and yeah it's more kink focused than non-monogamy focused but it does have some non-monogamy bits in it you have people like um, Kevin Patterson also an incredible uh, speaker educator author who's doing things like uh, Love's Not Colorblind so there are starting to be more resources of that sort available absolutely Love is Colorblind I actually did come across that recently and I have not finished. Love's but not colorblind. Love's I not colorblind. Yes. Sorry. Thank like. you. <laughs> Sometimes I speak faster than I'm thinking. So bear with me, y'all. But yes, I honestly, when I was coming across that, especially when I was navigating my own polyamory type of lifestyle, which I'm still very new. I'm only about three years into this. And oh, my God. <laughs> Honestly, it's like I, I tell people it works for me because I've always been in a sort of sense non-monogamous. That's just how I navigated. I felt I've only been in one real relationship before the ones that I started getting into when I became poly. Um, I, you know, I slutted around, but it was great. I was a safe slut. I was a smart slut. But Yaz knows I was not really looking for romantic connections until... Mr. Suit and Tie came along and just fucked my shit up in a great mm -hmm. way, in a great way. <laughs> but together we navigated, 
you know, being new to the poly scene. And it's great, you know, three, four years now, even though I say it's like five, but he doesn't count the years that we were just strictly fucking and me being his <laughs> his sub, you know, us navigating into it. I'll never forget. It was the Pride Weekend in San Diego. Um, I think it was like 2017. And I, we're taking a shower. <laughs> Mind you, our other partners in the r- other room. And I was like, you know, our other partners, Michelle and David, they're poly. They seem to be doing this correctly how would you like to navigate into this because we're pretty much on those steps we were all seeing different people but then our connection was a lot stronger and you know people ask me well what's this hierarchy I don't like to say it like that I think it's demeaning and maybe we can get into that too I feel like sometimes when you call it a primary partner you're gonna you're gonna insult somebody like I Yeah, I agree with that. Um, And labels are imperfect and the languaging is very sensitive. I think one of the tricks there, though, is there's there's a certain uh, mindset that says, well, hierarchical poly is bad, polyamory is bad, so I'm just going to be total egalitarian. And using the egalitarian language to describe it when the actions still involve some hierarchy and primacy. And that has to do partly with just our life commitments. If you have a house with someone, if you have kids with someone, if you have pets with someone, if you share major bills with someone, that person, I think rightfully has a a bigger impact on what you're doing with your time and money than someone that you don't share those things with. And that's not an excuse to treat uh, another partner or a secondary, depending on how you're looking at it, as less than a person. Absolutely. But it is something to know when you have this ideal of everyone's even playing field and one partner you have a baby with. Like there that's not it's not going to be even because that's not appropriate for your relationship with your child and your co-parent. It's just not. There are ways to make it healthier. Um but I think the I don't want to use the word primary thing can get really muddied in scenarios where primary doesn't mean I love this person more. Mm -hmm. It means I have more commitments, life things with this person. Absolutely. Now, when you're doing your workshops, especially the two that you have coming up, you have one in um, actually both of them are in June. Um, When you're talking about, especially the one that's happening June 3rd, and we will put the links for it on the description of this episode so everybody can go and grab their tickets and whatnot and check it out but on one of them you're doing a two-day um sorry yeah you're doing a two-day event talking about non-monogamous relationship types yes give us a taste about that so that's a, a collaboration a partnership with the absolutely incredible dr bianca loriano of anti up Uh, anti-up programming she is the definitely in the top collaborators I've ever worked with she's incredibly impressive she does amazing work around uh, disability justice and white supremacy in our field and uh, definitely definitely check her out so this is a collaboration between the two of us and it's what's called a sexual attitude reassessment class And these are classes that are required for sex therapists and sex educators, and that also are available to other professionals and some um, sometimes members of the public. And the whole idea is that you take this class to really deeply investigate and identify where some of your sensitive areas are, what kind of clients you really should refer out, or uh, what are some, some little uh little treasures to maybe take into therapy (laughs) or you know there's it's about assessing your internal viewpoint and response and feelings and thoughts about a particular topic within the realm of sexuality and relationships so a general SAR would cover a lot of things broadly an advanced SAR like Bianca and I are doing this year uh three of them will cover, will be around a specific topic. So the June event we're doing is around different non-monogamies. And the reason we chose that title is similar to the idea of multiple masculinities and multiple femininities, which vary culturally and 
within different uh, different demographics. I feel and we feel that um, non-monogamy and non-monogamies are like that as well. And what, there's what's just the a very... difference that you're saying non-monogamy and non-monogamies? Is there a difference between the two? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there, there's this um, there's this much narrower slate of uh, factors and and aesthetics or what like what what this looks like in the world and what people imagine it looks like in the world. When we talk about, oh yeah, those people are ethically non-monogamous or consensually non-monogamous. Um, n- not to people who are really involved in this work and involved in these communities and conversations, but generally, broadly. Um, it's like, there's this way to do this type and there's this way to do this type and uh, maybe some other stuff, but I don't know. <laughs> it's that sort of approach. So when you talk about non-monogamies, it leaves room to talk about a broader range mm-hmm. of presentations of this, of the folks for whom it's a lifestyle, the folks for whom it's a romantic identity, how that plays out. Uh, it gives you room for things like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna spend a teeny little t- bit of time on um, unethical non-monogamy or non-consensual, like cheating, adultery, et cetera, et cetera. We're gonna spend a little time on. Swinging. We're going to spend some time on open relationships. We're going to spend some time on polyamory. We're going to talk a little bit about polygyny and polygamy. Um, so it, it's it's a broader lens for looking at that that each of these categories don't just have their their one right way or their one uh, problematic way, <laughs> and uh, that there are layers to them. I like that. Yes, you yourself had expressed to me that you wanted to go into possibly a polyamorous relationship now that we have phoenix on here maybe they can also shed some light for you as well what exactly or you know has your opinions changed on it you know you have the floor on this one well i took like a somewhat like a polyam uh personality test and um the results came out as i am submissive i do like to have like what do you call it? A non-monogamous type of relationship. Because a lot of the questions we're asking, like, would you be comfortable with your partner being pleasured by somebody else if you weren't able to do it? Like, I'm, I'm okay with it as long as like, the boundaries are there. But my problem right now is that I meet men who want to be in a poly relationship with me, but then they have a monogamous relationship. Like, like a double life, pretty much. And it's yeah. like, how come you can't bring in the woman that you're with into this? You know, I could be the third. I don't mind. You can have your relationship, but don't try to bring me in and think that I'm like, how, how what would you call it? What were you just talking about? Your main priority, the, your main primary. Yeah, your <laughs> primary. Like, I don't want to be your primary when you already have a primary. Right. If that makes sense. So. And, yeah. and this, and I will say the situation you're describing is, is not polyamory. That's just, that's just a straight up cheating side chick dynamic <laughs> yeah like oh yeah i'll do poly like because he knows that i like women and all this they, they, they know these things and i have females that are willing to uh you know play with me with other men you know but it's like i can't offer that to somebody who's living double life like i want somebody that's solely tr- truly going to be about this lifestyle not just part of it yeah and and i would i would say that uh it may be a different type of ethical non-monogamy um, structure that you're looking for and not necessarily polyamory. Um, since you mentioned the uh, the kinky aspect, the submission, and you mentioned the multi-person sex, both of those do fit into other types of non-monogamy and might, and might just be a better fit. So for you, I would recommend talking to someone who does classes or coaching like myself mm-hmm. and trying to parse that out a little bit or right. reading, you know, playing well with others and seeing what's up there. Because someone who um, says they're polyamorous, but their partner doesn't know, that's not a polyamorous yeah. arrangement. And I, I meant in the same way, like, oh, my husband doesn't need to know about us. Like, why not? Exactly. Yeah. I can't stand that when you're and on. And it's a like, safety issue. It's a safety yeah. issue. A huge safety issue. I hate seeing on dating apps. If yeah. I list myself as being poly and then someone's like, oh, I love being poly. I love having multiples. Yeah. And I'm like, 
pause. <laughs> pause right the fuck right there. Now. That's that problem. Or there was a guy who basically slut shamed me for being polyamorous. He was like, oh, I can't be with a girl who has multiple male partners. I'm cool with the guys. But then it goes into that toxic word, OPP. Uh. Now, back in the day, you know, there's some old school heads in the on this um, who are part of the earbud family. A lot of some people don't even understand what OPP means nowadays. But before, especially because of Naughty by Nature, it used to be called other people's pussy, other people's property. But yep. now we got the problematic word of OPP in the um, the non-monogamous world and polyamorous world, which right. means which one is- penis policy. Yeah, or one penis poly. Yeah. Um, And this is a very tricky arrangement in terms of sort of ingrained (laughs) homophobia or homomythia and also this element of uh, sex between femmes is not as real or valid and it gets a little bit into some of our grosser, larger social conversations around virginity and purity culture and some ownership stuff. And I think that folks who have this kind of arrangement, who want to have this kind of arrangement, there's, it's, it's, it's not that I think no one should ever do this arrangement. Okay. And (laughs) folks who want to have this kind of arrangement really should take a look at what, what that means in terms of their sense of their own masculinity or their comfort around sexuality, um, where the potential for abusive power dynamics gets set up within that structure, and also just the honoring of the humanity of the people that you're seeing. You know, very often these arrangements don't consider folks who are not cis men and cis women. If you have a OPP relationship, and your female partner is dating a woman who has a penis, what does that mean? You said you were okay with women, you know? So there are a lot of, um, I think there are a lot of obstacles that get set up within that arrangement. And I, and I know that often these arrangements are from a place of insecurity or fear, and that's natural as human, but we can't live there. Mm-mm. That's what I get angered about, too, because even in the sex posi community, you still have a sense of homophobia. You still have some toxic femininity and masculinity, um, just toxicity in general. And I feel like, especially when I wanted to get into this lifestyle, you know, having to explain it to people is one thing. But then when people genuinely ask me but then all of a sudden they want to shut down and be like well don't you valid you know value the the tradition of marriage and I'm like well first of all you know marriage is just an institutionalized thing you know think of the children think of the children right I was like um I'm sorry did your child ask to be brought onto this (laughs) earth because last time I checked they didn't so when you start you know putting all these just like hateful just even just people, like I said, people in the poly world even fascinate me even more because then there's the ones that say they're poly, claim they're poly, love to flash it all over Instagram, you know, because mm-hmm. now this is a trend. But behind the scenes, they're not really poly. You know, it's just a bunch of people having threesomes and orgies and giving us a bad name, you know? I, it's, it's really complicated, I think, because there's so much sex negativity and erotophobia in our country. I mean, globally, yes, but also like really, really here in the US. Um, It's, and and we don't have comprehensive science-based sexuality education in our country either. I mean, some places have it where people are lucky, but it is not a requirement to teach comprehensive sex ed or scientific fact as part of a sex ed program at the federal level and it needs to be absolutely so lots of challenges there and then then we get into areas of disagreement around language and this is one of my big big problems with people like i'm gonna give a shout back to that uh ethical slut who use polyamory as an umbrella term for all types of ethical non-monogamy and then so people are calling every type of ethical non-monogamy they're doing polyamory and it leads to a lot of 
confusion and misunderstandings and hurt feelings. And that's not to elevate polyamory as above other kinds of ethical non-monogamy. That's, hey, y'all, can we, words mean things and language is powerful. Can we agree on what this word is? Ugh. Seriously, let me just give my heart to you right now because Lord Jesus. Oh my God. So I did this on another, I know you probably already heard me do this with uh, with Celine on the baddies uh, hot seat bit, but I'm going to just give a little distinction here between some types of no- ethical non-monogamy. Please, because I, I was about to list it out. So polyamory means many loves and it is a capacity for or participation in or deep love and want of multiple committed partnerships. That's not to say that polyamorous people meet someone they like and are date one like, okay, you're it, you're part of the pod, let's go. <laughs> polyamorous people do still date casually. And the, the structure that they set up for their relationships is intended to have an openness for growth and a room for that relationship to find its level. Not in every single instance. For example, people, uh, many people identify as um, relationship anarchists or solo poly, and both of those things are often put under the polyamory umbrella and don't quite fit the definition I just gave. But generally speaking, when we're talking about polyamory, we're talking about emotional attachment, which may or may not also include uh, romantic and sexual attachment. When we're talking about swinging, this is often a sex-only dynamic, Mm -hmm. couple to couple, exclusive of alone time, development of feelings, maybe certain acts like kissing or off the table. Um, It's very sex-focused. It's very partner-swappy. It's often very uh, heterosexist and cis-sexist and homophobic. Not always. Not saying swinging is a bad thing, but there are some, again, power differentials built into the structure of that where people want to engage in this ethically, they need to be extra, extra mindful because of the structure that it is. I was thought swinging was a sex act. Um, Swinging as the verb is also a a sex act, but but when people engage in swinging lifestyle, Mm -hmm or they identify as a swinger, the activity that that mainly is directed at is couples partner swapping for a period of time, focused on sex and also very um, matched up for heterosexuality. Because if, if if I'm the husband and my wife is fucking your wife, then what am I supposed to do? I'm not going to fuck you. You're a dude, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And again, I don't, I don't mean to, I don't mean to be pejorative about uh, You're- about swinging folks. But also, I am a queer, gender queer, polyamorous, kinky, switchy person, and there's really no space for me in in swinging spaces. There's just not. I'm glad that you brought that up because actually. Um- And unfortunately, I lost a poly partner. I gained a great friendship, though. Um, So my pregnant, now not pregnant girlfriend, or former girlfriend, she just gave birth. Um, Her and her husband. Oh, my God. I thought that was going to go in a different direction. Oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Baby. Healthy birth. Yes. Healthy Healthy birth. (laughs) In fact, in fact, I'm like, she'll probably listen to this and kind of chuckle. But in fact, um, we amicably broke up on Easter Sunday. She went into labor legit a few hours later. Baby was delivered that Monday. Healthy baby boy. He's cute as can be. I got to see him on Oscar Sunday with my with my primary. And um, they're still together. So her dynamic with her husband, her husband is more of a swinger. He, you know, even though we call each other like a poly fam or as some people now will say the kitchen table um type of poly um we no longer are going to engage in any sexual acts together um but we made it very clear to each other that we still want each other to be around in each other's lives now granted it kind of hurts because again 
the one person that I've really been with this entire quarantine. I haven't even seen physically my other um, partners due to it, even though we're lining up a date for the first time. Um, you know, I have to navigate now of being in a way solo poly without them because before it was a triad and also individual um, but you still have your primary partner right yes no, no no i still have my primary we're just not all together like it used to be yeah her i and- just want to clarify because solo poly um often has to do with folks not uh not having that level of committed partnership. I'm glad that you clarify that because I would always think in a way that because he can do his own thing, I do my own thing, and then we have, I guess you could say now we've migrated into a nesting factor um, because he's here seven, six days a week, even though he's not on the lease or anything. He's literally the only person that I've really been with. Um, so thank you for clarifying that because again, I'm still new to this. I'm still navigating these terminologies and everything. I'm not fluidly bonded to him because I have herpes too. So, you know, there's that aspect too, where people are like, well, how can you be positive? You know, how can you be poly and have herpes? I'm like, honey, that's a different conversation. Just know this. Everybody gets tested. Everybody is safe. We use the barrier methods, the whole nine. So going back to former girlfriend, her and her husband, they have their agreement. You know, he'll go to sex parties with us, but he is more of the swinger. He is more of the swinging type. Um, does not. There are it. sex parties also that are not sort of in in the sex party universe. There's kind of three categories. Mm-hmm. One is the the swinger style with the with the swapping where you know and there's also weird gender dynamics around like single women free before this time this much solo men this much and like okay well i'm none of those genders right exactly um i'm gonna be a white on the the wall (laughs) but also um there's uh there are poly play sex parties which, um, you know, some of the different hallmarks of that is these tend to be a little bit, um, not always generalizing here. The good ones tend to be a little bit more intentional around setting a container and communicating about boundaries and limits. Um, but also there's just a lot more diversity of, of ability to like connect with different kinds of folks and meet where you're at. And there's less of the unintentional I'm sure but definitely still there in a swinging setting component of pressure to sleep with someone's partner so that your partner can sleep with them and vice versa which again can be avoided but Mm -hmm. people have to be extra extra careful and mindful of that in those settings then another category and this is where most of the the default world experiences this is you know Maybe there are substances involved. Maybe it's just like a late enough night and you've been going long enough. And all of a sudden this house party, room party, whatever is turning into a multi-person sex situation. Uh, I, I think whichever of these types of sex party scenario you're in, all of them are going to be better and healthier and more honestly more pleasurable and fun if you spend some time outside of that environment, communicating, thinking about what kind of experience you want to have, what kind of experience you're available to provide, where the boundaries are. Uh, I just, I'm a big, uh, I, I love threesomes. I love foursomes. I love group sex. I've, I've hosted many, 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 many parties over the years. I'm a planner. I like to have a plan in place. And that doesn't mean um, that there's not room for spontaneity and whatnot. But boy, do I really like to know if I'm going to be allowed to stay over with this couple that I've just had a threesome with or if I'm going to have to get my ass home. That's something that is good for me to know going into it. Absolutely. And that's what I love about this one particular person that we always go to that hosts parties because they're very, very queer friendly. You know, are you in L.A., Megan? I am. I am. Oh, my God. Phoenix. Yes. I keep forgetting that you are in L.A. Yes, we got to do something. We got to. Also, sidebar, real quick. Everyone, everyone, everyone needs to get their COVID vaccinations. Both shots 
or the one Johnson and Johnson. And you know what? There are vaccinations you can get around getting your freak on at the sex parties as well. There are, uh, there's a three series updated of the HPV shots. Go get those. Absolutely. Oh my God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because honestly, everything for me, as far as like going to play parties and in lifestyle parties right now is on hold. I'm very, very picky and choosy of, especially in that world, because there are people inviting me to parties and I'm like, wait, hold up. There's no vaccination. What do you mean? No mask. Literally one of them was like, fuck mask. We all know each other. Fuck that. Fuck that. That we is know no, each other. no. Interesting. Yes. And Interesting. I, I wonder what you could tell about someone's viral load because you know them. Exactly. And I'm like, no. And this is why I particularly love this woman and her husband, black woman, um, white husband, but they are just like the most welcoming individuals. They do not take any shit. You know, if someone feels violated, that person's out of the party point blank period you know they make sure that hey even if you're not here to just have sex this is a kick it party we're gonna dance you know they have a bartender but they make sure you know you're not too inebriated you know there's like those spaces and I wish like you said I wish that a lot of these lifestyle parties especially for people like myself who are poly who have queer partners that there were more of those spaces because even when you yeah. go to the dungeons out here like LAX and you know the Lair de Sade I was extremely uncomfortable at Lair de Sade because Why? there's remember I was telling you about my my rigging story how I was being rigged and just anybody can watch and me I'm a public figure I don't want You're people taking Yeah, I'm an exhibitionist, but I need some protection. Yeah. You're not about to take pictures of me. You're oh, not about no. to touch me. When do they have pictures at were parties people taking like that? Pictures? People that's were taking cool. pictures. They that's, were sne- That's definitely not allowed there. That oh, I know. Absolutely not. And I there. I and was that's some bullshit and the dungeon monitors should have gotten on that mm-hmm. dragon or cane or somebody should have Absolutely. Done that shit. Absolutely. I was furious that night. It was like that was my first time really going there and I was like That was my I can't that was do like it. my first proper dungeon when I was at <laughs> Itty bitty baby kingster. <laughs> um, yeah, there are some challenges. There are some challenges finding uh, queer friendly spaces, finding uh, spaces that aren't so filled with white supremacy that oh. you can't play there as a person of color. No, there's there's a trickiness to it. There's a trickiness to it, and we we are lucky in LA to have many many more dungeons than other spots in the country. Um, and you know, it's a, it's a process and there's, it's, there's a self-protective part of delving into that and exploring that that's necessary and a mentorship arc that used to be much bigger and is now less so, but there's also finding your own, your own limits and your own boundaries and setting yourself up for success. I see this particularly with submissives. They're like, well, I'm submissive. I'm going to find that that perfect dom who's just going to do the things and like, I'll just listen to them. Like, what do I have to do in building my own toy kit and learning the learning the skills and whatnot? And the, and the thing is, even if you think you will never hit someone with a cane or tie somebody up or any of that, you have a responsibility towards protecting yourself to at least educate yourself enough that you know if something is wrong. Absolutely. And that's what I love about Mr. Suit and Tie, Benjamin, because, and who has been to one of your workshops years ago. Yes. So when he was very excited, I was like, you know, Phoenix and Mandel's coming on the show. And he's like, (laughs) when? When? I love that kind of thing. But, um... It's just like, for me, when people ask me like, oh, I would love to do some kinky shit with you. I'm like, no, it's not happening. This was a built trust. You know, I had to learn how to trust giving my body to someone else. Just like being poly, I'm very selective of who can come into my poly space because you're going to have to agree to a lot of things. You're going to have to understand that, you know, I'm more gay (laughs) than, you know, straight. I'm very vocal about it. I really like penis for me. I'm like, 
there's strap-ons for that and you know it's about the feminine queer bodies that I'm more attracted to than a cis straight male um and even still it's like for Ben I'm like he's a man of a different prototype because he understands and respects and it's just like the way he he sees me in this relationship it's just like I can't get that with another person I can't get that with another man so it's nice that I can navigate my own queerness with him and he understands it's hard to communicate that and then again going into the poly side again there are men that are so insecure you know and want to be the man all the time and can't understand like no I'm going on a date and you are not coming with me like no you know they they may not even want penis in the room and that has definitely happened you know we invited somebody and they did not communicate to me very well that again they were non-binary but they also weren't attracted to men so it made it very awkward not just for me but also the three of us where he's just standing there and i'm going at it with the yeah i mean v v style threesomes are a thing i definitely prefer more triad style threesomes where everybody's interacting and you know it's it's really just comes down to communication again right uh Many people don't do that negotiation part before they get into the bedroom. And in that moment, it's a lot trickier to sort out, especially if, you know, you drove somebody somewhere. I, I, one of the worst threesomes I've ever had. Uh Uh-oh. I was visiting, well, I'm not going to say where. I was visiting friends somewhere away from home. Mm -hmm. And I took a ride home with this couple. And about halfway back to their house, I re- and, and I felt fine because they were friends of my friend. About halfway back to their house, I realized that maybe this was not the evening I had uh, wanted for myself. But I didn't have a car. I didn't have a key to my friend's house where I was staying. It was late at night. And, uh, you know, I made the decision just to roll with it. But it was not a great time. And if I could have gotten into my own car and departed, or if they had said, hey, this seems like maybe it's not a match. Do you want me to drive you home? I definitely would have hit the escape button on that situation. And so communication, communication, communication. I think also people spending more time with themselves on what it is that they are giving to a scenario or what it is they're wanting from a scenario is one of the things that happens frequently with couples in group sex situations is they really lock together as a unit. I mean, and this is part of part of the very frequent problem of, and generalizing here, but particularly cis men feeling entitled to also have sex with their femme partners, femme partners. And uh, having sex with someone with your partner is can be awesome, but it's not gonna be a scenario that works for everybody, nor a scenario that people should be pushed into. Absolutely. Let's get into some kinkiness as a wrap up. Now, when you are practicing polyamory and bringing in kink into your relationships, a lot of people, you know, may think that, and we've definitely debunked this, not all BDSM is all sexual. Um, Even polyamory, being polyamorous is not all sexual. You can have um, a platonic type of relationship with someone and not have sexual penetration or maybe it's romantic Mm -hmm. but the partner involved is asexual asexuality is not necessarily a romanticism and one of the benefits of uh ethical non-monogamy on uh relationships where there's a big difference uh in, in desire is that it alleviates some of the pressure from from the party who either doesn't want to be engaging intimately in that way or who really, really needs more intimate engagement in that way to have that need met without someone doing something that, that actually they're really, really uncomfortable with. I, I love seeing those types of relationships, to be honest. And I feel like that's even where I'm kind of navigating towards with my now ex. Because again, I'm very much 
in their lives, in her life, with her husband, with their new baby. You know, we still consider ourselves, like I said, a very poly family, even though there's no sexual... I mean, there might be a little tension, but we're not acting upon it. You know, we we hold each other's hands, we there's hug each other, embrace. Yeah, there's well, there's a lot of love involved with it in not involving the sex, which is and great that, for and me. And that's wonderful. And I'll say, I do feel like there's a general pressure expectation within polyamorous communities, especially that there's like, oh, we've had this. We've had a completion. We've had a loving relationship transition, um, which can be great. But people do need to give themselves a space, a little bit of space in between, and not go straight from having a very intense, uh, romantically and sexually attached relationship into, okay, now we're besties. Absolutely. So I there think- is room to reorient. And you know, this person has just had a baby. Probably needs some real community support right now. But just something to keep a little eye on for yourself. Make sure you get a little bit of a pause from that to reintegrate, to grieve, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. I mean, honestly, I would, I have to say, I have to thank COVID for that because <laughs> um, even when she did get pregnant, it was during this pandemic. So we weren't really physical. Even like our date nights, it was mostly gals hanging out having dinner, you know, watching a movie. So it was kind of like, and when, again, when I say that it was just a very peaceful breakup, it was more like we're transitioning into something that's not romantic anymore. I didn't, you know, I grieved. I'm still processing certain things, of course, like you said, you know, and I am making my space like all, I'm not much of a texter, but I'm, you know, now like, hey, I'll be there. Yeah. I got to still kind of, you know, put myself in the mindset that, hey, we're still involved with a person that we both mutually love, but we are not doing it together. So, you know, there is that that process. But sure. Yeah. Not to go astray. from. I I lived with an ex-boyfriend who was part of my poly family for like five years oh wow I really did not like living with him I was okay I was gonna say how did you even (laughs) not as bad as living with a recent ex during a quarantine let me tell you I would not recommend that right see that's why I'm also kind of like as much as I've been nesting I'm really kind of like oh we should move in together but at the same time I'm like we would need a bigger space because there's always that question of okay well what if you have date night what the fuck am I supposed to do like I, I know I can occupy myself if we had a big enough space I can go and game I can go watch my many shows and movies I can go out somewhere but there's always the overnight chats or again bringing it into the kinky side of it it's like I I'm not a jealous person I like to hear about things, you know, I like the compersion there. I'm not, you know, one that's like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. Sometimes I get off by that. It's more so if I'm not included, I start having separation anxiety, you know. So that's something I'm trying to navigate now with. Okay, I really love this person. This is my life partner. Once things are starting to go back up, I know that he's going to go back and you know, date around casually. It won't be as intense. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm going to have to take a class, Phoenix. (laughs) Why why is that? Uh, Why is it that you say that it's going to be casual and it won't be intense? I'm I'm just curious. Um, Uh, That's a very solid declaration. And and surely you must have some some anecdotal evidence. Yeah, we, (laughs) we, we had a discussion. We've had, you know, talks that, you know, once he things are a lot safer people start getting you know vaccinated and everything he does want to casually date somebody um but it probably won't be as and again things could change things can change this is not solidified because if you feel somebody you feel somebody and i don't want to get that in the way because again my love is secure with him i know that his relationship with my ex is very secure and loving um But we've definitely had an issue where there was a girl that he 
admired, but made myself and the other girl very uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. And that had to be deaded, unfortunately, um, because he saw that it was just, you know, as he says, even if we're not all playing together, but if we're going to navigate a polyamorous type of pod together and, you know, kick it together, everybody needs to get along, you know. Sure. And that's with and, me, and too. There's some trickiness around if, you know, can it still be healthy polyamory if your partners don't like each other and that kind of thing. And, and the thing about it is, <laughs> as I've learned over the years and fought many times, and it's definitely easier said than done. Uh, your partner's relationships that they that they have on their own, those relationships aren't about you. Mm-hmm. And finding space to give them the room to have their relationships and grow their relationships and give this other person who is maybe, you know, is really into your partner but didn't necessarily sign on to be best friends or lovers or et cetera with you room for their relationship that's that's ultimately what's going to be healthiest for everyone overall now i always want to be best friends with everybody it annoys the shit out of me when my nesting partners partners like aren't friendly with me and there is a certain baseline like okay let's all keep it civil here you know you don't want to feel like someone's actively trying to implode your relationship but at the end of the day one of the one of the things that can be so amazing about ethical non-monogamy is you are no longer solely responsible for all your partner's stuff, which is like this big platformed monogamous ideal in our society, which I don't think is healthy for monogamous folks either, where that, where your one true love, soulmate, spirit connection is going to be your everything. Mm-hmm. And people are really complicated. We're communal, we're social animals. One person cannot be your everything. And monogamous folks can solve that in all kinds of ways with friendships and this, that, and the other thing. But it's it's hard to let go of that, like how that physically feels in our bodies, even if we intellectually accept that. So uh, as things open up, you know, you may want to uh, get some protein, take some classes. No, <laughs> absolutely. Do some journaling. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, with the, th- the help of therapy, but now, again, meeting someone like you, now that you're in L.A., <laughs> I think you are fully vaccinated. I think I might need to have a little hang sesh with you because honestly, I feel very seen and very heard when I hear you talking about this. And, and helping me process even on here. Holy shit. This just turned into a therapy session. <laughs> but, <laughs> and, you know, shout out to all your listeners. I do I do virtual uh, coaching, consulting, one-on-one education sessions um, all over the country. I've done a few via Zoom internationally. Uh, it's just a matter of figuring out those tricksy time zone differences. So uh, if you're if you're someone who is interacting with any of these areas and, and needs a little guidance or a little education, please do keep me in mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's go into some final thoughts. And again, I want to make sure that people understand you have some events that are coming up in June as we discussed. Yes. And I yes. want people I want the earbuds to be there because. Phoenix, I, I don't know about you, Yaz. We might have to bring Phoenix again on because the, yeah. the, the gems He's that... Lacing up the game. Like, <laughs> not no clubhouse BS. No. Real, this, real talk. This is thank the you, real... Thank you, Yeah, this is the poly chat that everybody... First of all, people were already getting excited because they're like, oh, shit. Staff is doing <laughs> an episode right after Red Table Talk just aired. Right. And listen, that's no shade. Be- but we've been, been planned this. Yes, we, we have done the planning of this I had been searching Yaz knows the process I was like I need to find a poly expert I don't need a poly coach I need somebody who is going to (laughs) physically mentally just get us into into this because again there's just a lot of miscommunication that is going on around this world so Phoenix absolutely Thank Seriously. you. So I do I do want to say about the events. I actually do have one coming up before June. So this month in May, I have I have a monthly 
networking and resource sharing event for sexuality and sexuality adjacent professionals. I call it Sexologist Think Up. And it's usually on like the third or fourth Friday of the month. And I have a co-host and it's only $15. And they're really, really great events for finding collaborators, um, picking up some additional resources, that kind of thing. In May, it's going to be co-hosted by Tatiana King, who's an incredible sex blogger and speaker and just also a hell of a woman. (laughs) And we're going to be partnering on the May event. Uh, And in June, I have that first of the sexual attitude reassessment classes with Dr. Bianca Laureano of Antia. And that one is going to be on non-monogamies. There's a June sexologist sync up. We're going to do a SAR on LGBTQIA+, and one on BDSM. Um, So there's lots of yummy stuff. You can check all the registration links and stuff for that out on my website. Uh, which for, for the moment right now is <laughs> HTTPS colon backslash backslash link L-I-N-K T-R period E-E backslash Phoenix Mandel B-H-O-E-N-I-X-M-A-N-D-E-L. Also, many of the places I live on the internet are on there. So come find me on Patreon and Twitter and Insta and all those things. <laughs> and again, earbuds, if you're like, wait, what was that link again? It's going to be in the description of this episode. So don't tell me you can't find any resources to get in touch with Phoenix because we are putting it right on this episode for you. Um, Gosh, again, Phoenix, I am just, again, (laughs) my heart is full. I I don't want to say I'm falling in love, but I'm really just am starting to feel really connected to you. And I really would love to meet you in person one of these days. And of course, yeah, let's be friends, please. (laughs) I I need some more poly friends. I need a poly God, you know, queer person in my life. You got a glow in your eye. I do. I mean, I I, I have that effect on people. I love it. I I need it. I need it. Please. All this energy. I hope this was somewhat informative for you in terms of uh, is Polly the thing you're looking for? Is there maybe another kind of question too about like when you're solo, solo Polly, is that considered being a unicorn? No, not necessarily. Um, there are, are solo poly folks who like to unicorn, but a lot of solo poly folks are really focused on that element of not being on a relationship escalator, right. not not looking to live with somebody, et cetera, et cetera. So there are a lot of I'm other... Being com- a primary, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, sometimes you'll... I've certainly been in a triad with a number of people who at a certain point say that they're... Uh, that they're really wanting their own primary thing, which is, you know, our society is very dyadic. It's very binary, black and white. It pushes people toward a couple form. Um, And sometimes I've, you know, that's been really understandable. And sometimes it's like, I thought I was your primary. What what the fuck do you mean you're going to go get your own primary? We were talking about marriage and babies and stuff. What? Yeah. Oh, (laughs) Lord. Got it. There it goes. Well, again, everybody... (laughs) links to get in touch with Phoenix in the description of the bio of the, I mean in the description of this episode Yaz where can they find you you can find me on Insta Twitter Snapchat at Fit and Dirty PSN is Feisty Panay F-E-I-S-T-Y P-I-N-A-Y and yeah that's what about it and of course you can find us at Sapphire's Earplay at S-A-P-P-H-I-R-E-S E-A-R-P-L-A-Y on Instagram or follow me even though I might still be a little bit shadow banned, I'm still getting reports about this, but at I hate, Mi- it. I hate it too. At Ms. Radio Sapphire on Twitter and Instagram. That's M-S-R-A-D-I-O-S-A-P-P-H-I-R-E. Yes, if you saw me on Xbox, yes, because I got my new Xbox Series Ooh. S. I'm on it. So nice. please. Nice. Ms. Radio Sapphire on there on there too. But again, Phoenix. Oh. Thank you. And I'm, I'm Phoenix Mandel pretty much everywhere. Sometimes the order of the words change, but Instagram is just phoenix.mandel and over on the Twitters. On the Twitters, <laughs> I love it. It's uh, at Mandel Phoenix. I'm a very verbose person. I struggle with Twitter, but I'm working on it. Listen, I think we're all doing our little struggle bus with this social media because it's some bullshit. It's some bullshit yeah, when yeah, it comes to yeah. fabulous individuals like us. So again, Phoenix... 
I'm going to keep thanking you, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. Thanks so much for having me. This was really fun. And I feel like I, I dropped some good knowledge for the two of you and for your yes, listeners. And you. I hope we'll uh, chat again sometime. We shall. All right, everybody. We will be off, of course, for Mama's Day. Got to honor our mamas out there, whether it's blood related or exterior aunties, aunties. Yeah. gotta just yeah. gotta honor <laughs> for everyone out there who's not got a, a good positive mama relationship like I just want you yeah like me, like me. I, I, I want you to to take some extra special care of yourself that day yes something fabulous treat yourself please <laughs> Just surround yourself with love. But yes, we are taking off next week, but we will be back in two weeks. And I'm going to hold that guest secretive because it's a good one. It's going to be a good one. We got a great lineup for the summer coming up. So again, you can follow us. Make sure to subscribe, share this episode. And remember that safe sex is the best hot sex. In two weeks, y'all. Good night. That was the show, all you sexy motherfuckers out there. Now remember, Ms. Radio Sapphire on Instagram, Twitter. For more earplay fun, go to iTunes, all 